I really do believe in the in the future, the companies that are going to be most successful are the ones that actually branch out and partner with others. Hello and welcome to another edition of the AEM Thinking Forward podcast, advancing the equipment manufacturing industry. I'm Dusty Weiss, AEM's professional nerd, big talker, and podcast host. And in this edition, we're going to be catching up with one of the United States' foremost experts on additive manufacturing. More commonly known as 3D printing, this is the revolutionary process of building a thing not through assembly or molding or casting or any of these other processes that are so familiar to heavy equipment manufacturers, but by adding layer upon layer of material until you've pretty much grown your object. Dr. Lonnie Love oversees the Exploratory Additive Manufacturing Program at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory and will join us in just a minute to share some really cool insights from the front lines of where this technology is being developed. That's really the name of the game here on the AEM Thinking Forward podcast. Every month, we're going to be using this podcast to explore topics that are going to change the way that equipment manufacturers do business. If you're in heavy equipment, construction, agriculture, mining, utilities, if you're an executive, an engineer, an innovator, this is the information that you're going to need to stay relevant. So if you like what you hear, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Just when you finish up listening, open up your iTunes podcast app or Stitcher or whatever it is you're using these days and click the subscribe button so that you're updated every time we release a new episode. You can also follow AEM on Twitter at AEM Advisor. And if you go to AEM.org slash subscribe, you can sign up to get the AEM Industry Advisor in your email. We write a lot of really cool feature stories about our thinking forward topics in the Advisor, in addition to industry news to keep you competitive in the heavy equipment sphere. In fact, a couple of recent news items... A Q&A with VP David Selleck from Selleck Equipment in Ontario, where he talks about why NAFTA is important to companies like his, why the state of Connecticut is stalling hundreds of road projects, and Hyundai names two new vice presidents in its construction equipment branch. Check out AEM.org news to learn more about those and other topics and other big stories from throughout the industry. So, back to the topic at hand, if you were at ConExpo, ConAg, and IFP last year, there was a big attraction that was pretty hard to miss. I'm talking, of course, about the grand unveiling of Project Amy, the world's first additive manufactured excavator. It's a full-sized excavator that has parts that were 3D printed layer by layer out of plastic composite, aluminum, and even steel. And the project was launched as sort of a proof of concept to demonstrate to heavy equipment manufacturers the transformative power and potential that this technology will have. And while nobody's going to be 3D printing entire excavators on a mass scale anytime soon, they wanted to prove that in practice it could actually be done. They, by the way, are the broad coalition of groups that pushed this project through They include, of course, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, the National Fluid Power Association, the Center for Compact and Efficient Fluid Power, the University of Minnesota, and the Georgia Institute of Technology. But the linchpin on this effort was Dr. Lonnie Love and the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. He joins us now on the AEM Thinking Forward podcast. Lonnie, thanks for joining me. 
first thing that I really wanted to talk to you about today was some of the latest developments in additive manufacturing technology, which it really seems like is evolving every day. But for anyone who's not familiar with the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee, exactly what is this facility and how do you work to advance technology in the United States? So Oak Ridge was founded during the Manhattan Project. I think it was like 1943. And we're a materials lab. And we're now part of the Department of Energy, have, have been so since the 1970s. And our primary focus has been on uh, taking fundamental discovery in the areas of materials, material processing, material characterization, and advancing it as rapidly as possible to something that can be commercialized and, and utilized uh, to produce products. It didn't start off necessarily as uh, an incubator in a laboratory for uh corporations and the like, but it's really sort of one of the roles that Oak Ridge plays nowadays is to help American companies develop new technologies to compete on the global market. Exactly. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the, the lab in the last 70 years has built, built up a real arsenal in, in scientific tools, material characterization tools, and I would say within the last about seven to eight years, uh, there's been a real, real push to transform those tools and get them in the hands of, of companies to try to advance and become more competitive in terms of a world stage. Uh, and, and again, there's a real sense of, of urgency and a sense of speed, which is really refreshing. I had a friend once say, you know, I thought National Labs moved at a, at a snail's pace, but, but we really operate in a lot of cases like a small startup. There's, there's a real energy and a real drive to try to get technologies in the hands of, of industry as fast as possible. And, and we do a lot of things that are really creative. One that's been, that's been really uh, helpful is co-location. So we have companies that will put people in our facility side by side with us as we're doing projects. And that's really to help, help accelerate that technology transfer. Tech transfer doesn't occur in the form of a, a report. It really, it really is working side by side with uh, with engineers and scientists from companies, so that we better understand what their issues are, and then they immediately can see how to utilize the technologies that are being developed. And of course, all of this is of great interest to our members here at AEM, uh, all of whom are companies that build big, heavy-duty off-road equipment. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the new and emerging trends that's really made an impact in that field is. Additive manufacturing, 3D printing, it's more commonly known as. But how did 3D printing get incorporated into the programs at Oak Ridge, and why? About uh, 10 years ago, it was right before the big push in additive, uh, a colleague of mine, my, my background is in robotics and design, and a, a colleague of mine came to me, and they, they had just bought a new, large, a new metal additive manufacturing system and, and showed it to me, and I said, name is Craig Blue, and I said, Craig, one of two things is going to happen. That machine is either moving next to my office, or my office is moving next to that machine. <laughs> and we, we started, it, it was really this beautiful uh, merge between having the material scientists, they, they bought the machine wanting to look at how they could make new materials, make new properties, develop new properties through this additive process. And that, you know, that, that's great. They, they actually could accelerate the maturation of the technology. But what was really interesting and unexpected was now you had a group of engineers and scientists that make things 
that actually started making some very unique tools, making some very unique parts with these systems and showing how they could be used. So, so part of the drive was to use those, those fundamental scientific tools at Oak Ridge to accelerate and mature the technology. When, when you look at 3D printing, uh, one cubic inch of material may have miles of welded powder. And the way that you weld that material is going to impact the internal stresses on the, on that part. And so you have to be able to model and simulate these things. And you, and because of the, the amount of complexity of those parts and the complexity of the process, you really need high performance computing to, to model and simulate those, those processes. And that's one of the things that Oak Ridge is very strong in. We have one of, we're, we have one of the world's largest uh, high performance computing systems that's open to industry, so industry can come in and use it. And then at the same time, when you model and simulate these things, they're really nothing more than cartoons. You have to be able to validate it. And, and again, Oak Ridge has a, a couple of very unique tools that use neutrons to be able to measure non-destructively internal stresses in parts. And so we have this, this very unique capability to model and simulate and then validate the processes. And, and very unique, in the, in, not just in, in terms of the United States, but in terms of the world. And so we've been able to work closely with the companies that make these machines and radically change the performance of the system. And you've had a chance to really develop a lot of really cool uses for this technology and be on the cutting edge of this uh, and, and these new technologies themselves. But the one, of course, that's freshest on our minds here at AEM is Project Amy, the Additive Manufactured Excavator. How did Project Amy come about, and what did it become for you? Uh, it was it was awesome, <laughs> um, and and it, the way it came about is is honestly uh, the way a lot of things happen. It was just by chance. Um, about in 2013, we started looking. Oak Ridge started looking at all the additive systems that were in the marketplace, and they all kind of had the same. They all looked the same. They all made parts that are about one cubic foot in volume. They made things very slow, about one cubic inch an hour, and the materials were usually pretty expensive on the orders of, you know, 50 to $100 a pound. And so that really limited the markets, the industries that could take advantage of the technology. And, and so we started looking at how do you disrupt this technology? How do you go, instead of build parts that are one cubic foot in volume, how do you make things that are thousands of cubic feet in volume? You make something the size of an excavator. Uh, how do you how do you use low cost materials? So if I print a, a thousand pound part, I can't pay a hundred. You don't want to pay a hundred dollars per pound for that material. It'll make the it'll it'll kill the market. And then how do you do it at a at a rate that is not at one cubic inch an hour, but a thousands of cubic inches an hour, where you can print something the size of a of a boom for an excavator in 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 days rather than months? We started with composites. And, and that led to the BAM, the big area added in manufacturing technology, and that was commercialized by Cincinnati Incorporated. And so in 2014, we were at the IMTS, and we were asked by IMTS to demonstrate printing a car. Uh, so we worked with uh, Cincinnati Incorporated, a uh, U.S. machine tool manufacturer. They were commercializing the BAM. And then we had a small startup company, Local Motors, and they designed a car, and we 3D printed it at IMPS. That was a big success. And then in October, AEM had a meeting over in uh, in Nashville, and I made the comment. I said, well, why don't you guys just come to the MDF, Manufacturing Demonstration Facility, 
in Oak Ridge and see what we're doing. I think there's things we're doing that could help you. So we did a tour, and by chance, we had the car, the Stratty, in the high bay. And all of the these, these gentlemen from the fluid power community came up, glommed onto the car, and they, they said, we want you to do the same thing for us. We want you to print an excavator at Con Expo. <laughs> And we had just come off of printing the Stratty at, at IMTS, and, and, and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go again, right? Here we go again. But those types of, of demonstrations actually catalyze what we're doing and accelerate what we're doing. Because what the, the printing of the car was, was, we weren't worried about crash safety. We, it was just a demonstration. And printing composites was relatively easy. The one thing that was, that was clear was they were very, very forward-thinking, saying it has to be steel. We need you you to be able to print big steel parts. And And that had essentially never been done before, correct? It had never been done before. And so they they provided that motivation in the market that could evolve from it. And so in 2016, we partnered with Wolf Robotics and Lincoln Electric and started really working hard uh, to develop the technology. I mean, this this was, there was nothing that was available. And, and AEM and Con Expo really served as the catalyst to develop this large-scale metal printing. And it's now commercially available. And that's a, just a fascinating look behind the scenes at how this technology is really evolving day-to-day. That 3D-printed steel technique that was pioneered for this project, what's happening next with that? You said it's commercially available. Yeah, so, so the, uh, the application that has really uh, just taken off is the tool and die industry. If you look at, at automotive production, and even at, at the construction industry, uh, you do a lot of stamping of parts. And on, the, on Project Amy, we printed out the arm on the excavator, and it had integrated hydraulics. It's, it's a very interesting technology. It, it, uh, it has a lot of potential, but I don't foresee in the next year companies like Caterpillar, Deer, Agco, printing booms for arms. It may be in the future, but not today. But what, what people are interested in doing today is they look at that big steel structure that we made in a couple of days, and they say, I want a stamping die. That is a massive market. It, it, they could really transform the automotive industry, the construction industry, uh, tons of different industries, because most of the time when you're doing sheet metal forming, that mold takes months to have manufactured. Uh, it costs anywhere from $50,000 to half a million dollars. And, and so what we're showing is that the same technology that we use to print the arm on Project Amy can be used to print stamping dies for the automotive industry or the appliance industry or the construction industry. And essentially what we're talking about here is this is a, a technology that could potentially take months out of the design and production cycle yep. and save companies millions of dollars. I mean, has anybody put oh, a yeah. figure on it yet? So every automotive company has told us the same thing. They spend $200 million per year per model of car on tooling. And the lead time is is years. And what another another aspect to it? This is this is really an exciting. The, the tool and die industry really excites me, and I'm probably one of the few people in the United States that when you talk tool and die, I start to get really excited. Oh, that's not true. It, I know lots like that. <laughs> well, the reason is it's been eroding. There's been a steady erosion of the tool and die industry in the United States. It's been offshore. To, a lot of it's offshore to Asia, and it's really the foundation 
of a lot of manufacturing. And so what, what we really do believe is that by, use, by, demonstrate, by developing the technology and demonstrating that you can manufacture these molds for orders of magnitude less, you know, instead of spending $100,000 on a stamping die, spending a couple of thousand, you know, $5,000, and doing it instead of in months, doing it in days, that, what that's going to do is it will reshore that tool and die industry in the United States. Now the, the, the thing that takes the longest is shipping those parts from Asia. It makes no sense to offshore tool and die industry if you can make it in the United States faster than you can make it anywhere else in the world. So that, and then with the other side of it is, again, if you look at the tool and die industry, it's the age of the average engineer is in the late 50s, early 60s. And so they need a new workforce. They need, they need engineers that can come in and design the tools. And then what we're so showing is, is that additive is really exciting, and it's a way to, to, to excite young engineers to get into the tool and die industry. So it's, it's answering two problems at the same time. Now, as far as Project Amy goes, a, a lot of the different pieces of this machine were sourced from different labs and techniques. In addition to the 3D printed steel technique uh, that was pioneered on this, you used a more traditional uh, composite plastic printing to build mm -hmm. the cab. Uh, you used uh, aluminum powder 3D printing to build the heat exchanger on the thing. But when the time came to integrate all these pieces into the final finished product, that excavator that debuted at Con Expo Con Ag, did that present you with any particular challenges? For us, it, it, you know, it was difficult because we're not used to putting together excavators. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like you know, um, integrating in bearings on the the structure and making sure they didn't distort and and handling these big parts. Uh, for a, we're a, we're a, a a national lab, and it's not something that's typical for us, but. But again, what, what makes us work so well and what makes our, us successful is that we work closely with our partners. So Case New Holland was, was awesome in terms of being a partner. Uh, Cincinnati Incorporated, uh, Wolf Robotics and Lincoln Electric, uh, AEM and, and ConExpo. It really was a team effort. And that's the other thing that I, I really do believe in the, in the future the companies that are going to be most successful are the ones that actually branch out and partner with others. They, they, they don't have to do everything. They're going to find companies that they can work with or labs or universities that can really enhance their capabilities. Um, I think that's really where I get excited is, is seeing these teams come together and everybody being like-minded and focused. And, and you're under a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, the, I think having the something as, as big as Con Expo, where you know there's going to be hundreds, of, you know, 120, 130,000 people that are coming there, and that there's an expectation that you're going to be doing something, you can't fail. You have to succeed, and everybody on the team realizes it, and everybody chips in to to make it possible. We Oak Ridge couldn't have done it on our own. We had to have our our industrial partners helping us. You raise a really good point there, and, and in some ways, this sort of new disruptive technology represents a real sea change for the heavy equipment manufacturing industry and any other manufacturing industry in the United States where companies can't really afford to take this lone wolf approach toward new technology anymore. 
Um, right. What are the other big takeaway lessons like that from Project Amy that uh, you're able to look back at now that the thing is ground to action, it's a success, uh, you've conjured it into existence? One of the things that I like to tell people about Project Amy when I tell them this story um, is, you know, it's kind of like the moon landing in a lot of ways where, yeah, it's a big deal that we were able to send a man uh, to walk on the moon in 1969 and, and we sent several successive Apollo missions to the moon after that, but the real lasting impact of the moon landing was not necessarily the landing itself, it's the technology and the techniques that were pioneered along the journey to it. So what are those other takeaway lessons that you've learned uh, coming out of Project Amy? It's kind of like that, the whole field of dreams. You build it and they'll come. I'm, I'm shocked at all of the people that are, all the companies uh, that are coming to us. And they're seeing, you know, look, you've been able to make this big, this big piece, this big, big arm uh, out of steel. Can you do stainless steel? Can you do Inconel? Can you do this, that, and the other? One of the companies we've been working with that, that really was jaw-dropping was Agico. You know, they're the consortium, they're the, the agriculture company. that They have a ton of different companies that they've kind of consolidated. And what they told us was, was that was really kind of jaw-dropping to me was the, the number of parts they have is enormous, a million different part numbers, uh, many of which, when you look at the construction industry and the agriculture industry, you, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the aerospace industry. Uh, you build machines that last. They're going to last 40, 50 years. And so you have this massive inventory of parts that you have to, you have to carry. And so additive becomes really exciting in terms of, well, if you're only going to be selling two or three parts a year of this one type, why don't you just print it? You know, you don't need to carry that in your inventory. Your inventory now just becomes a file and you just print it as you need it. Uh, also, you know, we're working on, we're looking at how do you reduce the number of parts you need on a machine through additive, additive manufacturing. You know, can you take something that was an assembly of, say, 100 different parts? If you look at a cab of an excavator, can you make that, instead of hundreds of different parts that have to be assembled, can you make it one or five or ten? Uh, you know, really starting to, to get the engineers thinking about Design, designing parts with the assumption you're going to use additive in the future. of that, that, to me, has been really exciting. It sounds like one of those things where the sky and the imagination are really just the biggest limits that we're working against here. But what are the hurdles that are still standing in the way of a wider adoption of this technology on a large-scale basis? <laughs> this drives my guys crazy. We need to go fast. Uh, you know, the, the arm uh, took about five days to print. We need to do that in five hours. And so we need to be going an order of magnitude faster. Uh, when you start looking at all of these, when you start looking at manufacturing, cycle time is the big thing. And that typically has been something that uh, in the additive industry nobody paid attention to. It's like, yeah, you can make these great parts. You're going to do low volume. So you don't care if it takes a week, a month. Uh, you know, there's some parts that for the aerospace industry where they'll wait six months to have that part made. You know, it'll take that long. We've got to go faster. And, and it, it, it drives the costs down. It, as productivity goes up, your costs go down. And you'll see more and more adoption of the technology. And how long do you think before we get there? I would say in terms of large-scale metal, a couple of years. We're moving that we have, 
extremely tight focus on that. Um, and there's a lot of industries that need it. So we're, we're working with Lincoln Electric and Wolf Robotics on, on trying to get the deposition rate by up, up by an order of magnitude. And my gut says we're going we're gonna to do it within another year or two years. So if I'm a heavy equipment manufacturer looking to dip my toe in the water of 3D printing and additive manufacturing because this is something that is going to change the way that we do business, now is kind of the time to do it, but assume that I have no background in additive manufacturing whatsoever, but I want to explore the possibilities. How do I get started? So I'll, I'll be very, I'll be very uh, selfish, call me, <laughs> because we do this, this is one of our roles. Uh, the Department of Energy uh, it funds us to do a couple of different things. Um, the first is we work with the original equipment manufacturers trying to, trying to improve the process. But the second is that we work with end users. So a company can come in here and I would, I would say just plan a day where you visit, you uh, talk to us, you look at the equipment. There's a lot of different types of additive systems. We have just about every type. Um, and we have mechanisms to work with industry for free. So you can come in. We can brainstorm. Uh, we do this every day. We'll look at the kinds of parts you're making. We can make suggestions in terms of which process. If, if it makes sense, we'll, if it makes sense, we'll tell you. If it doesn't make sense, we'll tell you. We're not trying to sell machines. We really are an honest broker. Uh, you can come in, see the equipment. We can strategize on, on what's the right technology and then do a demonstration project. I imagine your phone must just absolutely be ringing off the hook these days. It's a it's a blast. We we get about uh, in this facility. Just to put it in context, we're probably around a forty thousand, forty five thousand square foot facility, and there's about thirty engineers that work in here. But we get about seven thousand visitors a year, about a thousand different companies. So every day, I'm talking to two or three different companies, and it is a blast. It's it, you really, it, and you're looking at it holistically. You're not just looking at one industry, but you're looking at a lot of industries. And I also tell people one of the things that's, that's starting to happen is we're almost becoming like an e-harmony for, for manufacturing. <laughs> we're, we're able to, because we have such, we're getting all these different companies in, you can start to connect the dots. In a lot of cases, you can make introductions to, to people, you should talk to this company, or you should talk to this, this company is developing this new material that could really enhance what you're doing. And, and that's all we do. You know, just make those introductions. How appropriate. If you want to get into 3D printing, just call Dr. Love at the eHarmony <laughs> of Additive Manufacturing, and he'll get you set up with your dream match. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and like I said, you know, for, for us, we really do feel that the, the clock is ticking. Um, you know, the, the world is flat. There's competition everywhere. And... We want America to be great. We want the United States to to lead, not follow, and and so we really we really have a passion for companies to come in and just talk to us. Let us know, you know, what your what your pain points are, and let's see if we can let's see if we can help you. You've got a front row seat for some of the coolest developments in industry right now. What are some of the latest developments that maybe we haven't even heard of yet? Anything you're allowed to talk about? Um. Well, we're, yeah. So we're looking at cement, and and there's others that are, but there's some very interesting applications of and making things that are much larger than what we're doing now. Um, so very very large scale cement structures, uh, being able to print in the field, so it doesn't have to be in a lab. 
Um, and then also, again, we're going much, much, much larger. We've done, you can go online, uh, you can see we're working with Ingersoll on a much larger system that'll have a build volume of like about 25 feet wide, 20, 25 feet tall, and 100 feet long. We want to print boats. Uh, you know, we've, we're working with a lot of different boating companies, a lot of different wind companies. When you look at additive, it's great at low-volume, complex parts. There's a lot of ways of making little things. There's not a lot of ways of making big things. And so the, when you start talking about big structures, uh, additive becomes really appealing. Um, we have a project right now with the Precast Concrete Institute where we're printing out molds to 3D, you know, 3D printing molds that'll be used to make the uh, concrete fascia that'll go on a high rise in New York City. So it's absolutely all over the map. Well, and that's just one reason why we love talking to you here at uh, AEM and the Thinking Forward podcast. Um, Dr. Lonnie Love from the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us here. Anything else to add? Uh, just call me Lonnie. Only my wife calls me Dr. Love. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lonnie. Well, thanks for taking right. the time, and it's been an absolute blast. Thanks for calling. Lonnie Love, man, you can tell why our AEM members who went to visit him last summer had such rave reviews. Oak Ridge was actually the host site for our inaugural Thinking Forward Summit, and that was right around the time I was coming aboard here at AEM. But no matter how busy they kept me with HR paperwork, I'm just never going to forgive myself for actually having missed that event at Oak Ridge. But what an absolute pleasure to catch up with Lonnie here on the AEM Thinking Forward podcast. By the way, if you're not familiar with the Thinking Forward series of summits, they're really a big asset for folks in the business. They're free to AEM members, first and foremost, and we hold them at sites that are scattered all across the country throughout the year. They usually include one or two keynote speakers like Lonnie, folks who are experts in an area of disruptive technology that's really probably going to fundamentally change the way that we do business in heavy equipment manufacturing. They're also a chance to meet other forward-thinking innovators and builders and to really stay abreast of shifting trends in technology in the business. And while we're on the subject, our AEM staff is actually working right now on the lineup of Thinking Forward events for 2018. If you go to aem.org think, under upcoming events, you can see a list of dates and locations. So April 3rd in Pittsburgh, May 8th in Chicago, June 5th in Minneapolis, uh, August 23rd in San Francisco is another one. I'll be going to that one for sure. There are also three others. But you can take a look at the website and see what's close to you and maybe even save the date. Definitely watch and listen for more details coming up. We'll have them right here on the AEM Thinking Forward podcast because these events are just so cool. Each one on a different topic. Last year's included smart cities, maker spaces, additive manufacturing, co-creation, these events are one of my favorite things about working at AEM, so really set aside the time to come to one of these if you can. Get the boss's blessing if you have to, and hopefully we'll see you out at one of our Thinking Forward Summits in 2018. So that's about going to do it for this edition of the AEM Thinking Forward podcast. Again, if you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe so you'll get pinged when we come out with a new edition next month. Follow at AEM Advisor on Twitter for updates as well. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas for other topics or the like. You can email me at podcast at AEM.org. The AEM Thinking Forward podcast is brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Little Glass Man does the music. And for AEM, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.